Hello, everybody. Hello, world. I guess that's what we always start on when we start learning to program. Uh, hopefully, my sound levels are good today. Just check. Can you hear me out there? Um, hopefully, someone will give me a sign that they can hear me and everything's good. It is uh, it is October 27th. Today's guest is Dennis Potemkin of Majoto. We're going to talk a little bit about his company, his path as a founder, what he's learned, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, before I bring him on here, um, I wanted to take a moment here and talk about some things that I've discovered recently on the internet or I thought were noteworthy news. So first item, I just thought this was really interesting. This is kind of the, the human impact side of this. I think it's really interesting that uh, VC funds um, are more and more VC funds are creating kind of impact funds. Uh, so Redstone uh, and Enjoy Venture announced that they created a 50 million euro fund. I think this is interesting. They're, and their three focus points are health tech. So helping people age better, have better better quality of life uh living so quality of life and eliminate loneliness and then finally education technology uh, i'm really passionate about education technology but i just think this is great just in general i saw also um black rock uh had just announced that they were doing something like 50 billion uh in investments in this area and i thought that was really interesting uh, the other noteworthy things I wanted to talk about this week is if you don't know um, the blog Get Latka, uh, I think it's a really interesting blog. Uh, Nathan Latka, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit more in just a minute here, but he's interviewed thousands of SaaS founders and CEOs and talked about what it takes to get going. Um, and one of his key focus points has been bootstrapping. So how do you get this? Uh, how do you get your company off the ground using as few resources as possible, preferably not taking investor money? Uh, this has a lot of advantages. Um, clearly, you know, right now what's interesting about bootstrapping, what I noticed that SaaS stocked is that many companies were interested in this. And it's because of the market conditions, of course. You're not going to get as much money as you did previously for your company. Also, leverage. Um, if you get your company where you're doing significant ARR and you're even profitable or, you know, doing pretty well or can show a path to profitability, uh, you just have so much more leverage because they're the VCs. There's also this flight to quality. Uh, so, well, so just keep that in mind. So I highly recommend you take a look at his blog, uh, Get Lodka, um, especially under the segment Bootstrapped. Um, there's also just tons of really interesting information around this thing, uh, around this blog here. For example, um, one bullet point I saw in one of his presentations he did, which is that a lot of people now bring in boutiques, uh, little development boutiques, and can get their MVT, MVP done uh, for under 10000 Now, I think we need to put an asterisk on that because it really depends on what your MVP is and what kind of company you're starting to launch. Um, so it can be a lot more, a lot less, but I think that's interesting because 10,000 isn't that much money, um, to go deal the MVP and maybe start, you know, your first steps towards founding a company. Um, 
Interestingly enough, Nathan, uh, I met him recently, and I met him at Sastock. Um, by the way, uh, Monday, we are going to have representatives of Sastock on the show to talk about Sastock and, and some of the things they saw at Sastock this year. But I met Nathan, um, Nathan Latka at Sastock, and where he was repping his new company that he just started. So it's a company called Founder Path. And so Founder Path, instead of helping companies raise money, what they do is they look at your metrics um, and they loan you money. So if you're doing, let's say, 100000 in ARR, they'll loan you a certain amount against that um, and help finance future growth of your company. Uh, if you think about SaaS metrics, if you can get two dollars or two euros back for every dollar or euro invested which are super healthy metrics but they are possible metrics you know going and getting you know if you're doing let's say thirty thousand a month and you can go raise a couple hundred thousand uh could be advantageous we should point out that or i should point out i guess is that you know these aren't capitalists i mean communists these are capitalists so they're going to charge you uh, a healthy rate on money they're loaning you but you get to keep all the equity in your company. Um, so it's an interesting trade-off for, for companies as they, they look to go forward. Um, and uh, about that, I was talking with him about you know, how many, uh, how many f- investments have they done. And I think they said they had something like 20 million already active in Europe. And if you think they're getting a minimum of 8% back on their money, um, assuming people don't default on that, it's pretty interesting, and the company raised 145 million uh, at in the end of the summer, so just a couple months ago. So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do, and um, yeah, kind of interesting, interesting concept. Um, but I just like to see more companies, more different, um, more different ways to raise money. I think that's that's a good thing. Um, just a couple more things before we get to our invitee. Uh, while I was on his um, while I was, uh, checking out Nathan Latko and we were learning about him, uh, and what he does and his company founder path. Then I came across another guy and this is kind of the rabbit hole that the, that is the internet. And so it's, it's a guy named Ben Murray. Uh, and he talks about how to structure your P and L for SAS. Um, and I think this is, this is super interesting because whether you want to go borrow money or you want to go raise money, you need to know how to structure your PLs, um, and so they have really detailed. Uh, they have really detailed uh, instructions here about how to set up your um, your PNL here. So very interesting, uh, and just a good idea to really know your stuff when you get around to this. And with that, uh, it's going to help you in any way. You know, as you go to meet investors or you go to meet people who want to loan money, uh, it's just really important. And Ben Murray, just his website, uh, again, just incredible content on everything, PL statement on everything. He's like a CFO for hire, a fractional CFO, just super interesting content. Um, and with that, oh, how did I lose my, my person here? Hold on here. So with that, we're going to bring on uh, Dennis. Um, 
And hold on a second here. So here's Dennis Potemkin. So he's the founder of Majoto. We met at SAS Talk, and I thought it was really interesting what it was working on. So I was interested in having him on here. So let me see if I'm able to uh, pull Dennis on here. I always seem to have a little technical problem when I go to, uh... oh, no, that works. Okay, great. So welcome, Dennis. Hey, Steve. Thanks. Am I on? Yeah, I think I think you are on. So let me Excellent. just, uh, it looks like your audio levels are good. Um, good stuff. Good. Um, well, listen, uh, Dennis, thank you. First of all, thank you for coming here. Um, thank you for inviting me. So how long? First of all, let's start with the question. Let's get some KPIs on, on Majoto. So how long has Majoto been around now? So we've been around for a couple of years. That's I, I count that from our day of incorporation, which is a very, very special day. Right. It's Star Wars Day, May the 4th. <laughs> is that really <laughs> Star Wars Day? May it the 4th? really is Star yeah. Wars Day, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Okay. Um, it, was it was not planned that way. It was kind of accidental. And I discovered later that that was um, a very fortuitous day. So, that, so we're two years from that date. And that's basically when we incorporated and got our first bit of angel funding. Okay. Um, let me just ask you, I'm looking at your audio levels. Let me just ask you to pull your mic just a hair closer if I could. Hair closer, one second. Okay. I'm um, just going to angle it a bit like this. Is yeah, this, that's, that's good. Okay. Um, Fantastic. Well, good. So May the 4th. Um, well, and, and so let's talk a little bit about your background and how you came up with the idea for Majoto. So tell us your career arc and how that led to Majoto. Sure thing. Well, look, I, I'm a lawyer by background. Um, I was uh, in private practice, so working in, in, in law firms. I was then in-house um, and uh, yeah, working for multinationals as a kind of legal director. Um, and um, I left uh, about four years ago, basically because I wanted to do something different, um, you know, get away from that sort of tyranny of the of the day-to-day -day, um, and explore some of the more creative things I wanted to do. So I've been, so since then I sp I've been consulting uh, and then I started up Majoto. So I've sort of been around the houses in terms of both being an in-house lawyer, private practice lawyer, consulting lawyer, working both for SMEs, contracting with large corporates and for large corporates, trying to sort out their contracts and contract processes, as well as um, getting involved in legal tech and eventually building my own. Uh, so I've seen it from quite a few different angles. Okay. And, and why, why a startup? Why did you, I mean, you said you wanted to do something else, but why do a startup? That's, that's an awfully big chunk to bite off. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd like to think that there was some sort of entrepreneurial spirit hidden inside me that wasn't completely uh, destroyed by being a, a, you know, a corporate lawyer. Um, and uh, it seems like that's the case, at least so far. Uh, look, um, the, the things that I wanted to do, and I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of explore them, but basically... I wanted to change how um, legal stuff was done. And while there, there, there was this, yeah, an increasing movement of people wanting to do that, you know, sometimes you, you know, the hashtags, fun law, hashtag rehabilitated lawyer, um, <laughs> you know, new law, there's, there's, there's a whole movement in law to try and do things differently, get a bit more modern, uh, you know, use technology, use design, um, you use agile processes and other things borrowed from software and basically deliver legal services in a better way in a more user-centric way. Um, but the thing that I want to do, no one else was doing. So I figured I've got to, I've got to 
try and do it myself. Yeah, I mean, um, my experience of legal processes and legal systems, and and I know we call it a justice system, but um, it always seemed a little Orwellian because it seemed very rarely is justice done. But just in general, my impression of the legal, everything that's legal, is just it's complicated, it's abstract, yeah, uh, yeah. and hard to deal with. Um, uh, absolutely, and and you know, it, it is it is complex, but there are lots of things in the world that are complex. Um, you know, software is complex, but you know. Look, you know, using software doesn't have to be. Right. Um, and, you know, legal is complex, but using legal is generally very difficult and complex as well. Um, so that's not an, uh, not an excuse. I don't think legal is unique. I mean, you know, you try and read a, a medical or scientific paper, you know, you'll, you'll get into a whole new sort of space of, uh, of difficult language, right? But, <laughs> but I think um, legal is, it should be much simpler. Um, and there are plenty of examples where it is made simpler. It's just that it hasn't percolated. So it's a little bit like, um, you know, Aldous Huxley's comment, you know, the future is here. Uh, it's just not well distributed. And I think <laughs> that's kind of where law is. It's really not distributed very much at all. But there are pockets uh, of, of innovation that are really, really trying to completely change how, how people um, interact with the, with the law and with legal services and legal processes. So what is wrong today? I mean, what is wrong you know, where, where do you see the room for improvement in this in this industry and, and what you're trying to do? Oh. Well, I mean, the, at a, at a fundam fundamental level, it's the it's the user experience. So um, everything in the law is traditionally made uh, by lawyers for lawyers, uh, not for the actual users. So, um, yeah, I, I'm the, 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 the part of the law that I'm interested in is contracts. Um, uh, it's not the only one, but that's the one I'm sort of focusing on at the moment. And that's what Majota is focusing on. Why contracts? Well, um, for, for a couple of fundamental reasons. One is that a lot of the day-to-day -day pain that you experience as a lawyer, especially in-house, is just churning through contracts, especially routine stuff, right? So if you make that space better, you're going to make a ton of lawyers. You're going to make yourself happier, and you're going to make a ton of lawyers um, much happier, right? So that sort of day-to-day -day experience, even for lawyers, is really difficult, let alone for uh, uh, business folk. Um, so that's um, and then and then a sort of um, kind of a, a, a broader level. It's um, it's it's the it's the experience um, that 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 the non-lawyers have. So the real users of the contracts are not actually they are lawyers, but for the most part they're they're non-lawyers. Um, and it's about sort of making this whole thing not only more accessible but also more democratic. And that's what that's what I'm trying to do, and that's what Majority is really trying to do is is making making it all much more democratic. But the fundamental problem, as I say, is a problem of the experience of the user because the processes and the tools and the output of everything legal is really focused on the lawyers rather than the, 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 the users. So the consumers, the business folk. Yeah. I, so um, we have to do this, disclose this. So of course, Dennis and I, we had a conversation uh, prior just to prep this. And, and one of the things we we're talking about is just as a consumer, so often we receive contracts, whether it's for your telephone service or, or whatever, high-speed internet, or or most recently, I remember it was with signing up for my electrical company. And the contract is very long. Um, you, you really aren't qualified to read it or thing. And not only that, as you know, on the, at least as a consumer, you're powerless. Um, on the B2B side, there's some room for negotiation, especially when you're working with a bigger organization. But 
in most cases, a contract is just, uh, it's predefined and you just either like accept everything and sign through or you don't. But I think the real problem I have with it is most contracts mm. I read as, as just as a user or a layman is they're not even understandable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's really fundamental because there's, you know, there is, there is a, a, a crisis or a lot of people talk about there being a crisis in, in the law. And that is a crisis around things like access to, there's, there's several pieces to that crisis, but one of them is access to justice. Another one is, um, uh, is trust. You know, there is a big issue with trust towards institutions generally, but towards um, uh, illegal in institutions as well. And, and this sort of the, 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 the example that you bring up of, you know, contracts in the T's and C's is kind of one, um, one sort of uh, one area where that's, um, that's very clear, right? Is that people don't understand what they're reading, but they sign it, they sign it anyway, or they go through and um, click through or accept the service anyway. And they don't do that because they trust the brand or the, 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 the terms. They might trust the brand to some extent, but they definitely don't do it because they trust the, 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 the contracts. They do it because they feel powerless. So they kind of do it despite the lack of trust. Um, and that sort of, uh, you know, is, I think is, creates and is reflective of there's broader malaise of distrust in everything that's to do with um, uh, with kind of the traditional ways of how legal is done, um, and it's and you might think, well, okay, yeah, but contracts, you know, you know, who cares? Is it is it is it that important? But if you think about it, you know, they say civilization is built on trade, and and trade is you know contracts yeah. are the live lifeblood of trade, yeah. and yet we've got this really, really important fundamental thing that's so integ integral to the way we live as civilized humans and to the economy and to business. And yet it's completely misunderstood, miscommunicated and, and not trusted. And that's, that's, fu that's fundamentally broken, right? And we want to fix that. Well, they're, they're hard to negotiate. They're hard to establish. They're hard to understand. And, and, and they slow down a lot of business. I mean, just, you know, having worked in, in sales and marketing and business development, especially uh, uh, when you're working with a larger organization and you have their legal team, it's really hard to implement that. I just wanted to point out to everybody, I just put up the link up in our, um, in our chat. So I put it up to majoto.io slash backslash privacy. Um, if you want to see what their privacy terms look like, which is essentially how they lay, th lay out things, which is an example of, uh, of how they do it, which I think is really interesting because it's, it's far more understandable than most things you read like that. And, and I think what's important is they call out the salient point. I think the point you, you touched on, which is really interesting, which is distrust. So hmm. in sales, marketing, business development, we talk, we go back to communication and, and communication is really related to convincing people and it goes back to trust, building trust. So all of a sudden we've worked hard to establish trust, you know, over a certain amount of time to acquire this, this prospect who's now ready to become a client. And now we're like, here's the contract. And they're like, hmm. okay, I've provided you this unreadable thing that I'm not even clear about so what are your thoughts on that just yeah well it's it's, it's so at SAS stock we were asking people when it, whenever people said you know well what are you guys doing we asked the question well have you got your t's and c's uh are they online they'll they might say yeah they've I've got online t's and c's or offline ones and we say well what do you think of them and we were collecting some thoughts in the post-it notes um or just you know hearing people say it. and it was extraordinary that you know the kind of words some of them, some of them I, I can't even say out loud, <laughs> but the kind of words that people were coming up with um, 
were pretty harsh, you know, ranging from, um, well, I've never read them that, yeah, I, I don't know. And this is like from you know, people who are involved in sales, for example. Yeah. Um, I've to... never read them. Yeah, that would be right for a salesperson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, why would I go read that? Yeah, exactly. I don't um, even know or, what I'm selling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know, or you know, embarrassed. Yeah, um, people being embarrassed about their their terms, or you know, saying you know they're full of legalese, no one understands them. But words like embarrassed, difficult, complex, a nightmare, um, you know, and, and expletives were were the very common first unprompted reaction, what do you think about your T's, about your terms of business, your T's and C's? Yeah. Um, so that's, 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 and, and yeah, so, so you've got this sort of, and, it's, and in the SaaS world, this is especially so important, right? You, everyone works so hard to um, be super competitive, to communicate with customers in the best way through your website, through the, the way you sort of build your funnel and the interactions that you have um, with your prospects, right? You're making sure that you communicate with them in the smartest, slickest, best possible way, and then it comes to the legals, and nothing, and 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 it's just a wall of text, right? That no one understands. Um, so massive, uh, you know, opportunity loss in terms of kind of walking the talk with your brand. You know, I mean, people say, you know, you've got to reflect your brand in everything that you do, not just the front, not just your shop window, right? Yeah. But um, you know, I, I use the restaurant analogy. Right. You, you can you can go into um, uh, a restaurant and the front of house is fantastic, right? Um, and you sit down, but if the kitchen's not right, right, if something's going on in the kitchen, you're going to know it, right? And that's why you know businesses make sure that operationally they're living the brand as well, right? Or if you see it, a rat run out of the kitchen, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but the teeth. But get this, because a lot of the operations, obviously, the customer doesn't see, but the contracts in the T's and C's, the customer sees. So it's not just like having a bad kitchen. It's like having a bad open kitchen where yeah. the customer can see it and they interact with it. And they say, oh, there's a completely different experience between the front of house and, the, and, and, and what I'm seeing here in this open, you know, through the steamy window of the, of the open kitchen. Um, so we, you know, I believe, and that, you know, that, that's obviously a core belief for Majota is that that's, that's really worth fixing, not only because um, of the uh, sort of, the, you know the trust that you create, the, the the you know walking the talk, but also for the process efficiencies that it that that it creates as well. So, can you think of brands who have gotten this right and have used this to to help their brand and to distinguish their brand? Yeah, sure. I mean, the the one um, I, was, I was desperately scrambling for an example of a SaaS um, uh, business that have done this really well, um, and I'm and I'm kind of struggling. I know some of the um, some of the uh, new kind of online banks like you know the revolutes of this world they've done a, an okay job in terms of simplifying yeah right but it's still a wall of uh, it's still a wall of text the, the one the one example that just to me is is such a fantastic example is uh is lemonade okay. lemonade is an online insurance company um and they've created a, a, a an insurance policy they call it the lemonade insurance policy 2.0 they've actually open sourced it so anyone can use it um and it's just written and you know what can be more boring um, than an and, and complex than insurance? Well, you can than insurance policy. I can think of more complex things, right? But maybe few dull things that are a dollar than an insurance policy. Um, but they've done an amazing job with it. They've just plain languaged it to just to the nth degree. It's super simple language. Put in humor. They've made it funny, right? They've made an insurance policy occasionally funny, um, and they've structured it in such a way that it's really simple and it's just a joy to read. Right, you actually want. I mean, 
maybe that's me being a contract geek. I actually want to read it. Um, well, I think I think comparatively, I don't think anyone's going to take that to bed reading that. But you say comparatively, comparatively yeah, yeah. compared to other uh, yeah, terms, yeah. yeah. But but you know, but the point is, is that they've 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 used that contract as a as a piece of competitive advantage advantage and branding, and they shout about it. Yeah. And I think it's one of the most fantastic pieces of contract design um, that I can think of. Yeah, it's it's kind of a back office thing and it's not something that's been prioritized. The question is the question I have is is like you said the SaaS industry is so competitive and the subscription economy is growing so quickly. Um, and the, what you were talking about, the concepts of brand and product, which every little process, every little thing you do represents your brand and your product. Um, yeah. I think you're yeah. right that this could potentially become a lot more important and, and a little bit yeah. like my question is also how much time will it take people to catch up? Because when I look at like I take different industries like retail, like mm. Apple redefined the retail expense experience with their stores. Um, mm -hmm. is someone like is lemonade? I think this quite possibly could be something that companies start looking at a lot closer as, as they, yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you see, you see it, um, the most with, uh, people's privacy notices. So there are some fantastic examples of privacy notices out there. Um, you know, some of them even better than ours, yeah. arguably. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, 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 so, so, um, there is um, so some great great examples there, and so that's an area where people have been trying. You, you do see some of the um, kind of uh, brands, you know, look, look at the Twitter privacy notice, for example. Uh, you, you know, they kind of really jazzed it up. So there is definitely a movement to um, improve, um, especially for at a consumer at a B two C level, to improve how these things uh, read. Um, you also see at a B two B level, there are some very big um, uh, uh, multinationals that are really starting to tackle this sort of uh, head on and redesigning their uh, B2B contracts to make them more sort of visual, understandable, you know, to reduce friction, et cetera. Um, so uh, I, I know so Shell has been very, uh, uh, has been very um, visible um, and shouting about this a lot. So I think there, there's definitely a movement. I mean, I predict, and people have accused me of being overly optimistic, but I predict that in two or three years time, if you're a large corporation and you're and you're still throwing around wall of text T's and C's, you're going to start looking somewhat old fashioned. Well, um, if you're if you're a bank with online um, terms like personal terms or whatever, you, you know, in two years time, you're going to look very poor if you if your T's and C's are a, a standard wall of text. And I think that's going to start um, and you already see it with like smaller, exciting companies that are really sort of changing that. But I think that sort of mass. Uh, I, I think at a sort of within, I think definitely within five years, there is no way that anyone's going to look um, at all modern or decent or um, up to date if their if their contracts are, are in uh, the way that they are currently. I think it's interesting. We, we had um, we did a webinar with uh, a couple of weeks ago with Bill Work on the subscri subscri subscription economy. I always have a hard time pronouncing mm. that. And, and that's, you know, it started with magazines originally, then we, we saw that with SaaS, and now it's bleeding back into the mainstream economy. And I think these concepts, what you're talking about, like, um, especially the financial services online, we've seen that, like, I'm looking at, like, the online banking services or the online card services, and I'm like, I need my bank to do more of that. I need that experience. And so I think and part of that is, for example, if online banks get really good about the terms and conditions and they make that clear and they're like, hey, you know, let's go through the terms and conditions and let me call out the salient points for you. Uh, so you really get this. Mm. I think that's an avenue for them to create a lot of confidence with you.
Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've, t- we've talked a lot about the sort of the positive aspects. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the trust, the confidence, the competitive, you know, your kind of brand image and all that. But, but it goes deeper than that because there are, it also solves problems, right? So, you know, for, for SaaS companies, it may solve problems around, well, ex- the, number, the amount of exceptions that they get from their T's and C's where a big customer comes along and says, look, I can't contract off your standard T's and C's. I want you to make it, uh, you know, to do the custom agreement or make a change. And then you're sort of churning. So there's, there's process um, and, and kind of speed of sales uh, issues to solve there if you can make your T's and C's really um, uh, frictionless. And then for, you know, for, for certain industries, like, you know, you mentioned banks, you, you know, there is a regulatory imperative to be clear about uh, in your contracts uh, with, with customers. Um, and we're actually, we're, we're working with a, with a bank um, and their, um, uh, some of their T's and C's uh, right now. And some of their problems are around um, the amount of churn that unclear T's and C's create for customer service. Yeah. Right? Because consumers are, f- 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 are calling up and they've got queries and they haven't found the answer in the, in, the, in the documentation and T's and C's and they're there, or there's a query and the T's and C's are unclear and then you've potentially got a complaint to the, to the, to the regulator and the regulator's looking at T's and C's and it's not clear, right? So, so, so there's a big sort of um, uh, uh, impact here also in just kind of internal process costs, you know, all the, even down to things like customer service um, well, that have I, an impact. That's not going to be relevant to, uh, to all SaaS businesses, but you, you know the, the the imperatives around that there are, there are problems that need to be fixed, not just advantages to be had. Well, I think I mean we talked about this. I think it impacts CX. I think it impacts churn. I think potentially it impacts even revenue because, um, hmm. for example, my experience with an insurance company is I I had an accident with my my scooter, and I thought I had one coverage and I had another coverage. Uh, and if I had gone through with the person and gone over kind of the salient points again i'm using that word a lot today salient uh that's my big legalese word um that's my two dollar word my two (laughs) dollar word there um so but if he had gone through that and he said well understand that you're not covered for this this and this i might have said hey uh then i need to take it up uh i need a different coverage uh more expensive coverage so i think there's also i mean i think this impacts a lot of things um For for sure what so your company's been around for since May the fourth, uh, and so what have been the challenges? So you've been going through, you have this idea. Um, how, how did the development process go as you started to build your company? Can can you yeah. talk about this? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, look, we, we've had to um, let me let me answer this by kind of segueing a little bit from the previous discussion because this is really this is okay. really important because you know maybe. Uh, if listeners, if listeners are wondering, well, hold on, this is a SaaS company. They do contract automation. Why are they talking about all this stuff, right? But for us, it's very much, um, you, you know, we've got we, we've got a mission. It's the, the mission for us is very much to democratize, um, you know, contracts um, and ultimately make people happier. Because you know, if if, if those who work with contracts, you know, feel happy about and, and stop having some of the problems that contracts create, and they create a lot of pain, you're going to end up, you know, having happier businesses and happier lawyers right so so this this is a big mission but so so we are a contract automation company but we don't want to just automate the process because that's what pretty much everyone else is doing okay so there's a ton of there's a ton of problems in the contract space and some of them are around well how do i deal with large volumes of routine contracts right that kind of thing um and or or how do i make uh, some of the internal communications like approvals quicker how do i make how do i make you know collecting signatures quicker you know docusign one of the biggest 
if not the biggest legal you know, companies that are in legal tech, um, you, you do do e-signatures, right? Mm -hmm. So um, all of that is around fixing process issues and making the process more efficient, right? Now we want to do that, but we 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 think that that's a given. But what we really want to do is fix the other part of the problem. And the other part of the problem is the big hairy elephant in the room. And that is the content, what I call content. But that is basically what contracts say and how they say it, right? And no one's really tackling that except kind of at a very sort of artisanal level. There's no contract automation company that's fundamentally um, uh, 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 tackling that. So because of that, we've had... Um, you know, an, an extra challenge on our hands in developing the product, right? Because we don't want to just sort of automate what is essentially the existing process. So if you think about the existing process, it's Word, it's email, it's exchanging um, uh, uh, you know, word attachments by email. That's still the prevalent, the 99% or 98% of businesses still do this, right? They, um, they'll exchange red lines. So a lot of the autom contract automation solutions out there are really replicating that. Right? Instead of Word, you've got a platform, helps you generate instead of email, you've got an, maybe an inside messaging system, um, um, you know, native messaging system. Maybe some of them will have negotiation uh, kind of uh, workflows that will help you sort of do uh, negotiation in a more structured way than you would perhaps with Word. Um, we're interested in all that, but what we're really interested in, as I say, is, is, is the content. And, that's, and so our development has gone through quite an interesting sort of process because of that, because when, when I started Majoto, and started really playing around with, I guess, even a concept. I wouldn't even call it an MVP. Um, my thinking was, well, look, uh, the, there's all these fundamental problems of why contracts are broken, but there is a fundamental, a really fundamental problem from a technology perspective of why they're still broken and why the existing tools are not fixing that big hairy elephant. Um, and that is because they're all built on text editors, right? Um, you're, you're essentially creating a text editor, which is a kind of two-dimensional construct, just like a, a Word document. Um, it's not, but it's not actually two-dimensional. It's only one-dimensional, right? Because you can only expand it downwards. Right. right? So, I, I mean, strictly speaking, it's two-dimensional. But in terms of how the user can actually interact with it, it's very one-dimensional. Um, and, even, and even if you sort of digitize that content and turn it into JSON and all that kind of stuff, you're not really changing the, the fundamental construct here. And what you're then doing is, okay, so you're taking this very limited one-dimensional um, construct and you're, and you're sort of putting workflows around it, right? So um, the analogy I use is like, imagine so a contract gets you from A to B, right? So it gets a company from one situation to another. Um, and in the old days, you used to use a horse, right? A post horse to get you from A to B, right? right. So you use a hope, right? So what what these systems are, are doing now, and what Word and email does, and these and, and these systems, and then the current automation systems, kind just of a do faster the horse. It's it's a well, it's a mechan. I call it like a mechanical horse. It's right. a bit like imagine as, instead of building a car, you've built a mechanical horse, right? Yeah. So so that's um and that that was kind of my sort of view of the world, uh, you, you know, three years ago when I was starting to sort of um when this whole thing was a twinkle 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 in my eye, um. So I thought, all right, well, let's not start from a text editor because to me that was the that, that was the fundamental technical barrier to doing something much more exciting with contracts. So we didn't start with a, with a um, uh, uh, with, with a. In, in fact, I I played around 
with um, with a with a concept using uh, spreadsheets. So spreadsheets are already kind of you know kind of three dimensional and potentially four dimensional depending on how you look at it before you even do anything with it. So to me that was just inherently a more interesting construct because it has it's multi level, it's kind of infinitely expandable, um, and it's structured. It creates structured content from the get go. Right, rather than sort of creating unstructured content and then putting some structure around it using kind of code or or, or, or using AI. Um, so, so, so for us, so going back to your question from a technology perspective, we had to really invent a completely what I consider a completely different way of um, you know building the fundamentals of that kind of of that of that digital document in a way that's yes structured but also allows visual creativity. Um, that is, um, you know, it isn't reliant on kind of code that people, you know, can't work with, and lawyers certain most lawyers certainly can't, um, and is um, and is uh, and is kind of um, expandable and multidimensional. So um, we started with very very humble beginnings, essentially using spreadsheets to figure this out, um, and then you know from then I so I sort of I'd never coded, but I put together some something very kind of basic, um, you know, hacking off. Um, um, Substack um, and hacking some bit of code together, and then I worked with a developer to basically kind of to, to automate that properly, and and that's how Majota was born. Oh well, I mean, I I don't know, I, I I haven't seen it, I haven't used it or anything like that, but I I just think of tools similar to this. I think the tool that comes to mind for me is Canva. So. Uh, mm. I've used um, in marketing. I've used Adobe. Uh, Adobe for me is is great tool, super tool, but very complicated. It's not a layman's tool. It's not something you can just pick up and start using. And Canva, right. you could just pick up and start using. Uh, yeah. Anybody can use it. Anybody can create. And then you have lots of templates. Um, and then you know, if you combine something like Canva with something like Grammarly, where it's reviewing your language, so you're not making too many mistakes. Uh, and then. Uh, and even times it tells you to simplify your language. It says, oh, this, this sentence is too complicated. Mm. To me, like if someone could do that for contracts where they're like, oh, you can brand your contracts, have them a certain brand. Uh, you can, you know, simplify the language and mm. and really make these something as something instead of a checkbox, something you need to do as something where you can make your company shine. I think there's even a chance to potentially link it to revenue. For example, you could imagine going through your contract and seeing a service level agreement and changing that and moving that up a level and having that change the pricing on your contract or, or the pricing of your deal. So I think there's uh, the, even some revenue implications there. But I, so I, I'm really curious to see what the what what the product eventually is going to look like. Um, where are you at in terms of your product? How far along are you? So, um, so we've we've basically turned our um, uh, initial MVP into what we call a private a private beta. Um, so what, so, and, and, and this is a product that we already, um, uh, how do you say that's, that's on the market. So it's on the market for kind of simple workflows and use cases. So one of the, um, simple, um, uh, uh, use cases is you read, you, you redesign your T's and C's. We do that for you. So we take that, the pain of the, of the redesign, um, from the user. That's just the, the, the simplest and fastest way of doing it. Um, and then we hand that over to uh you know to our SaaS customer let's say um in a simple kind of maintain edit uh publish uh workflow and that basically allows uh allows you to um keep your t's and c's updated you make bring in changes once uh if you have uh 
you know, updating the way that your business works or any other kind of um, uh, uh, needs, um, or if you need to create different kind of versions for different products. Um, and then you can publish them with one click to your website. So it's a pretty simple thing, but you know the, the kind of pain points that, that we've seen is first of all, um, businesses finding it really hard to keep their T's and C's up to date. So often they've you know Frankenstein them from the from the net um, in the early stages and haven't kept them updated. Yeah. And the 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 visual structure within which we put um, these T's and C's and the way that you can sort of manipulate them inside the system just makes that really really easy. Doesn't replace a lawyer, but it makes uh, you know it makes um, it really easy to just figure out okay what do I need to change and where. Um, and the other pain points we've seen again very simple pain points is okay. Um, uh, uh, let's say in-house, uh, uh, the sole lawyer in a larger kind of growth SaaS company um, is responsible for the T's and C's, but in order to get them updated and published, he has to go to two or three other people in the organization, maybe marketing, maybe the person who's responsible for managing the website to actually do that. This way, um, they, they control everything and can do it with one click. So that's the, that's the most, that's kind of the simplest proposition. And then beyond that, what we're also starting to do is put people's uh, negotiated contracts in. So contracts where um, so non-standard contracts, standard contracts where you have to go in, you have to perhaps select the right kind of template or the right kind of starting point, and then fill out details, make certain selections for drop downs, but also tune it, um, um, uh, uh, tune it for different customers or different products or different use cases, and and you know kind of get that out to the customer. So that's the the sort of the second um, basic uh, use case. And what we've got there is as, as well as the the fact that our contracts. Are just kind of simpler and in a more visual format. We also have a super easy and intuitive side-by-side -side playbook tool that basically gives you guidance mm -hmm. around uh, different clauses. We kind of traffic-like guidance, word-based guidance. You know, teaching you what these clauses are doing and what you can change or can't change, and alternative clauses that you can just plug plug in. Um, and ob and obviously, we work with with customers to make sure that that's um, uh, fit for their terms and their um, uh, and their and their needs. But it basically means that then, um, you know, the sales folk can self-serve themselves in creating the right fit contracts, and e including, you know, very, very tunable um, uh, contracts or contracts that need a lot of um, uh, change. So that's a simple kind of uh, um, you know, create, uh, edit, uh, so generate, edit, share, sign um, uh, workflow that also gives you some data around your life cycle. So how quickly has each of the stages taken and how efficient you are being? So that's so, so. So our product is 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 kind of available in the market for those kind of um, uh, uh, simple things. We've got um, um, th there are other things that we're going to be bringing online, like negotiation workflows. Uh, so so in in app negotiation um, uh, uh, and approvals and those sorts of things. So those are those are coming. Um, I just, at the same hold time, on, hold on. Yeah. I just wanted to point out something to our audience there. Um, you know, I, if you've ever been part of negotiating a contract, whether it's between two parties, if you're negotiating down, that is your, your, it's just a small customer and it's one of thousands of customers. It's one thing. Cause you typically give them a boilerplate contract that you've come up with, but if you're negotiating level to level or level up or level many mm. up where you're like a fortune 500 company. You know, you sign and DocuSign, that's great to get the signature really quickly. But typically the contract negotiations like six months is considered more, short. More. Is considered yeah. short. I mean, exactly. that's considered yeah. done pretty quickly. So if you if you can think about taking, you know, taking something that's like a six to nine month process and getting that down to under a month, um, 
that the concept of velocity of business, it could be, yeah. that could be really impactful. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we, and especially done, so the, the idea of being able, I wasn't clear if you were able to create contracts or a structure or a template where you could negotiate and accept and, and tr find agreements with the other party at the same time. So that wasn't clear. So that's interesting that you're going to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, so we've got, we've, um, it's something that we built actually already built in our original um, MVP. Um, but we are sort of um, working on making that uh, sort of porting that to the current system and, and really, really tuning the US because negotiation is a really tough one. You know, most people will just default into sharing it in Word. And, and, and a lot of that is just because there's a psychological barrier where, well, why should I get onto someone else's system? Right? I'll just use Word. It's democratic. Right. No. So for um, so so there's a there's a lot of tools out there that already have negotiation workflows. But I can tell you, um, from my experience and what I hear from others, no one's actually using them. Right. Everyone just exports it in Word and, and negotiates it in Word. Yeah. Um, and part of that is a is a question of UX. Another part of it is a psychological barrier around getting the other side to join you. Yeah. Um, uh, in, in your system, why why should I? I don't trust you, kind of thing. Um. And, and part of it is also around the kind of the, the whole that it comes down to that trust process because it, it you know, it's a little bit like if I, if I throw my T's and C's at you and, you, you know, often companies do that, whoever gets there first, right, will hope therefore their, their T's and C's will be the starting point, right? Um, so whoever, you know, so you, so you get your T's and C's ready and you throw them at the other side and hope, and hope they stick, but it's not a very collaborative process, right? Um, so, um, so, so people also kind of, bulk at that, especially when you're adding a system. So we're looking at, um, we've, we've got a couple of concepts that we're going to bring online, which is more around helping people not only negotiate the detail down the line, but also help negotiate in a more collaborative way up front, right? So that you solve some of those issues um, up front and you do it in a more kind of, we're doing this together kind of trustful way. And that um, will eliminate a ton of that um, churn on, and, and red lines um, further down the line. Um, but you know, the, just in terms of the benefits, we, we, some, some of our customers have had 50, have um, reduced time to contract by fifty to eighty percent through a combination of um, redesigning their contracts and using our tool. In some cases, even just redesigning the contracts. Um, you know, so it's just one of the things that we started doing is, as Majoto, um, we were having a lot of conversations with uh, customers who, who had pain points and they needed a solution, but they weren't ready for tech, any kind of tech, uh, or, you know, contract automation tech. Or there were larger companies and we weren't ready for them. Um, so we started just offering just pure design services because a lot of the time you can reach a lot of the outcomes through design. And this is kind of the, the fundamental sort of thing for us as, um, uh, as a contract automation uh, SaaS companies. We, we want, we're, we're sort of, we're, we believe in the outcomes um, and we know that there are different ways of getting people to the outcomes and we're happy to sort of, or we want to get people closer to those outcomes irrespective of where they are on the tech journey or where we are in the tech journey. So, so we've got some but, fantastic collaborations um, ongoing as a result of that sort of shift in mindset. But ha have you used the services side to, I mean, normally what happens is you use the services side to further develop your product. Um, so while you're doing those services, you're learning about the needs, you're establishing your needs better. And, and some of that money that you may be billing for some of those consulting or services, and you can use that and shift that money to product development as well. Yeah. So that's yeah. a very classic model for building a product like this, which is go do services and use that and keep adding to your uh, uh, IP and building that out. Is that, how you, is that how you've been building the product a little bit? So, so in, in, in part, yes. Um, but we're also using the services as a door opener. Mm -hmm. So um, 
uh, sometimes the customer says, look, for whatever reasons, they'll say, look, I want the output. I want to redesign contracts. Sometimes right. like quite radically redesigned yeah. and, and simplified. And I, but I want it in a, in a Word document at the end of it. Yeah. But we'll actually use our own tool. Mm -hmm. So we have um, this agreement mapping tool that allows you to kind of restructure contracts in a really sort of simple, visual, intuitive way. Um, we've got various other things that kind of help in the design process. We've, we've got kind of set design patterns and templates that allow us to very quickly create sort of quite really funky designs um, without sort of paying a legal designer, right? Um, so we will use our tool and we'll use it visibly, which gives the customer like, you know, sometimes it's quite, quite eye-opening, right? Because they see the, the tool in action. And then we say, say okay, so, so why don't we start maybe in a sort of a fairly informal way, let's open up a sandbox and get you actually using the tool to generate the contracts that we've redesigned for you. Um, and so we've got a, a number of sandboxes that have been opened as a result of what was started off with, with a design service. And we're, we're, we're hoping that that will convert to kind of, you know, a very lo a successful long-term relationship. Okay. That's interesting. It sounds, so, um, so your country, uh, your, your products in private beta, um, wh who are your, have you defined who your ICP is, your ideal customer profile, which market? Yeah. Yeah, to... uh, so uh, absolutely. So the, it, currently in the sort of in the in the SaaS world, um, this is uh, it's sales, right? So they're the people who feel the pain on um, poor contract processes. I think most. Um, it can be the CEO or CFO, especially in smaller SaaS businesses where that responsibility for contracts mm -hmm. lies uh, lies with them. Um, and of course, once uh, at, at a, once the business is a little bit larger and there's an in-house uh, lawyer or maybe a small in-house team. Then it's really the you know the the the, the GC the head of legal um, in, in that business. Um, of, of course, we're, you know, we're currently very much interested in in SaaS businesses. That's not that's not our unique focus. Of course, you know there are uh, uh, our real focus is, is knowledge businesses generally because the you know the thing with knowledge businesses is that they feel that contract pain because it's actually quite hard to completely commodify um, knowledge, right? So therefore, your contracts by definition, are always going to have something that's a little bit more complex than just pure routine, um, uh, you know, T's and C's. So the pain for knowledge businesses generally is significant. Um, so, um, so engineering businesses, engineering consulting businesses, another area that we've been working with um, because they have, um, they, you know, especially when they have larger contracts um, and um, uh, uh, contracting with larger customers, then it gets very, very, very painful. So, um, so there's a there's a there's a couple a few personas there depending on the on the customer profile. Um, have you done any like touch point mapping? It seems like there could be a lot of integrations that you guys could potentially build on this, like to to tie into people's billing systems, or um, you know even like plugins for uh for like websites for like WordPress so that people could put these up. Are you guys planning on building yeah. integrations to? to help to accelerate adoption uh, absolutely yeah so so we are we are fairly early stage on on, on, on in that on that front but okay. we just just an example we we um uh built a recently built an integration for, with hubspot so that's so you can see if you've got a hubspot web page you can publish it with one click from Mojoto. oh um, okay yeah so which which is just kind of it's it's again it's a simple thing but no but it's cool it's, 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 a, it's a great a, idea it's, yeah it's a really nice yeah, yeah. It, it's just a simple thing so but but it may, for the user for the end user it's it's just uh, really fantastic so um yeah we're, we're looking at um we're currently looking at um 
So we're, we're sort of fairly customer led on this. Yeah. Um, we don't want to sort of build a bunch of integrations if we sure. know that people are not going to be using it. So we're just currently talking to um, uh, uh, an existing sort of uh, customer of ours that are interested in um, uh, Salesforce and Salesforce integration has been on my mind for a while. Um, I'd love to do um, a WordPress um, integration as well and maybe um, other CRMs that, 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 that build, build landing pages. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, eventually I would, you know, yeah, I'd, li I'd like to, you know, one of our ultimate ideas is to make this um, Majority very connectable so that we can build it as a visual add-on um, to uh, other tech so that we don't have to do everything in contracts. You know, there's some pretty big meaty pieces of tech, tech especially for the corporate world. Um, so we think if we can, um, uh, um, you know, create a sort of fairly integrative ecosystem, I absolutely believe that that will help us. Yeah, I think I think someone like uh, the, when you just said Salesforce to me, it's like anyone who's using Salesforce, those tend to be the the clients that really appreciate good processes and and want to give a super experience to their customers. Mm, and so mm. um, that there's someone who's going to be very sensitive, or I think they're going to appreciate the arguments of what this is able to bring them. So on, on it seems to make a lot of sense for Salesforce. So, yeah. um, so you guys are in private beta, um, and how, how much money did this take? Oh, that's kind of a, that could be a sensitive question, but how did financially, how many people, what does the organization look like? I mean, how did you get from, you know, twinkle in your eye, a uh, concept to here? how much money has it taken? How many people has it taken? Yeah. So, so we've, um, uh, I'll answer it in this way. So we've had, we've been angel fund. I mean, we're kind of, Let's call it bootstrap, but we had about uh, 150k in angel funding. Okay. Um, so a significant proportion of that, of course, has gone to product. Right. Um, not not to salaries. <laughs> so, that's no, that's an the... odd smile you gave us there. It <laughs> sounds yeah. sounds like you want to share more there. Yeah, I, I, I want, yeah, but more exactly. No, but the it's 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 the right you know it's the right thing at the right time. But the um so no the vast majority of that has been has gone into product. Yeah. And I think you know we've um. We've gone through quite an unconventional path in terms of how we built the MVP, and I'm not going to disclose everything here, I'm afraid. But um, in terms of how we built the MVP and how we took it to the current beta, so we've done that in a, I think, in a very, very lean uh, uh, way. So in terms of what the capability of the product is and how it looks, um, I think we spent quite, a, you know, a, a, a very sort of a relatively small amount of money to get to where we are. Um, so the next step is to kind of fully platformize our, our private beta. Um, and that's going to take a, a, a bit more money, but you know, we're, we're sort of, we're, we're not waiting. We're starting, we, we've started to, 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 to do the work and we'll, we'll see how, how quickly we, we, we can get there. Um, the main thing actually speaking of your, your example of Canva, which I thought was a really good analogy is really to sort of um, uh, create our own very intuitive visual design engine so that we can, we and, uh, and our users can create sort of styles and visual templates. Um, in, in a way that's sort of currently not available. I mean, Canva is very intuitive, but you, it doesn't have the structure. You can't make contracts with it. Right. So the, 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 tricky here, the trick here is to find something that's, is to create something that's intuitive from a visual perspective, but also has all the structure that you need in order to create, in order to create automated contracts, right? Well, so um, so that's, that's kind of the, 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 ne the next step is to sort of fully pl platformize what we have as a, as a private beta. The, the great news is that um, those are, uh, you know, the kind of customers that we're talking to and that are using the system. Um, it's more than it's, you know, you know, we don't, we don't have to wait. We can, people, people can start using it. So, um, yeah. and, 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 and get a lot of, um, a lot of benefit from it. So, 
Um, well, maybe I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Journey. Yeah, maybe you guys need a Canva plugin. Maybe you need a plugin <laughs> that goes into Canva. Well, you know, there's there's some amazing products out there. You know, there's there's yeah, uh, yeah I, I love Miro. Yeah. My, my my favorite product is Miro. I, it's just you know that sort of infinite canvas. Yeah. Um, almost infinite. Pulled, you know, you know that kind of zoomability. Um, I absolutely love that. I use that for everything. There's uh, this kind of, I guess, three products, four products I use a lot. Um, you know, spreadsheets. I use. You know, we're in Google, so we use, we use Google Sheets. I use Google Sheets a lot. I use um, uh, Miro, crazy amount. I use Magento a lot. You know, all the contract design work, um, and even previously the legal work that I was doing while I was still doing that, I was doing it using my own tool. That was pretty. Cool. That was pretty nice. Um, and then, um, and I love Superhuman, which is, uh, I don't know if you know Superhuman. I, I haven't yeah. heard it. What's Superhuman? It's, it's, it's a kind of, it's an email, uh, it's a, a sort of plugin that basically creates a top layer over all your email accounts. Um, and they're, they're sort of, um, they talk about um, getting through your inbox twice as fast as before. So they sort of get you to inbox zero. Now, I, I rarely get to inbox zero, um, but it's a really fantastic product because it's so crazily intuitive. And it and has so much depth, and it just looks ridiculously beautiful. So um, superhuman. I, okay, I'm I, going to I, note that. I'm because uh, if if we yeah, I mean, look, if we can get Magento to do for contracts what Canva does for you know for visual marketing, and what Superhuman does for email, um, and what Miro does for whiteboarding, I'm going to be a very happy man, and we're going to have a, a hell of a lot of happy clients too. Well, I think uh, it's interesting. Canva, uh, the the lady or Canva is a company. They've announced that they're going to build their own word processor to take on Google uh, Docs and uh, Microsoft Word. I see that they're moving into that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, they. I'm sure they're really smart people. Um, but uh, that those are two really tough, well-established competitors. So we'll see. Well, you know, how are they going to create disruption there? They must have some ideas because I'm sure not. They're not going to go force against force. Um, they're going to have to use some Jedi mind tricks. Speaking of, mm -hmm. may the force be with you. And um, yeah, indeed, they're going to have to well, figure out something there. You know, the, the good news is that there, you know there are a lot of players, big and small, trying to fix this. You know, trying to trying to fix what is so is so broken in so many respects. Whether it's word processing or contracts, right? Yeah. Um, people understand that it's broken, and you know, consumers, you know, want something different. Businesses want something different. Um, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of problems to solve um, because you're really sort of combining a lot of different things, um, especially if you want to solve it really in a new way, um, in a way that sort of can do content differently. Um, so I think I think that's great. You know, people well, we, we'll move. Every, we know we know we're doing the right thing because there are other people moving in in similar directions in very very different ways, of course. The the way I explain it is the SaaS ecosystem. You know, we started with the big problems first. And as we develop this marketplace and this ecosystem develops, there's more verticalization. So people are focusing more on verticals and people are focusing on subsets of problems like what you're doing with contracts. You know, basically, you know, people were focused on customer relation management 15 years ago, 10 years ago. We've got that mostly solved. That's a pretty mm -hmm. developed, mature mm -hmm. market. Guess what? There's still a lot of things that are related to that that are you know, first cousin to that or second cousin to that. Now that way we can go solve and figure out and, and companies like yours are working on that. Yeah. Once you get the beta, okay, so you're going to get feedback from your customers. So what is your next step? Uh, how will you, how will you take your company to the next level? Do you need to go raise money to do this or will you try and grow it organically or what are your plans? 
So, so we're actually currently um, in in the middle of a pre-seed raise. Okay. Um, and that's really um, that's really sort of to 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 be able to ac accelerate um, accelerate the development of the sort of what we call our Wave Two, which is the sort of the fully platformized kind of version of the of, of the product with that visual kind of intuitive visual editor. Yeah. Um, we, we we don't need it absolutely in the sense that we you know we're we're currently self-sustaining um, at the current sort of spend and current um, uh, uh, you know income. We started a, we started acquiring sort of our first paying customers uh, in May this year, um, so sort of st steadily adding um, uh, customers and revenue, which is fantastic. And it's uh, so so, but but you know that we if, if we want to I think if we want to accelerate um, the development of the product, and I really want to. Then um, we're going to need um, uh, to to have a raise. So that's uh, that's the sort of the next stage um, is is to raise uh, some money to do, to do that. Um, otherwise, you know, the next step is to um, to get this um, T's and C's offer. That's you know, this is essentially our beachhead mm -hmm. is redesign T's and C's and simple workflows um, to accelerate sales and build trust. To get that out to as many um, SaaS businesses as as we can, and really sort of then sort of use that as a you know, that's a door opener for working with them more deeply on other contract processes, on on negotiated contracts, on um, uh, you know beyond sales contracts, employment procurement services. You know the the the, the full shebang. So um, that's that's really kind of the next step. So to so to grow all, all you know all the customers and friends we're making in the current process is to is to grow those relationships. Um, you know, pr prove the prove the the use case, prove the business model, and then. And 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 then scale. So with the with the new technology, the idea is that we you know we we create um, uh, packages of kind of ready-made agreements for um, micro businesses for SMEs and kind of build scale that way. While at the same time getting into that corporate space where the corporates are starting to redesign their contracts but have no way of automating them. So to get into that space. Yeah, I mean, I it's really interesting working in SaaS um, or working in this industry. Like, I, I think that the the experience is so much better than what I see in the mainstream economy. Uh, and I, I I would so like to see the mainstream economy adopt more of these ideas. And yeah, uh, well, I, have to, I, I the, you know the thing. Hopefully, yeah. The, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead, please. No, the thing that really on on that point, you know, um, what really struck me, especially at SaaS stock in Dublin, um. It's, it's such an amazing ecosystem and you sort of, you know, you kind of know it, but when you see it in action where you've got hundreds of SaaS businesses and everyone's kind of selling to each other mm -hmm. and everyone's using, you know, building up a stack of other SaaS kind of products to deliver their piece, right? Um, it just really struck me what a rich ecosystem it is. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to, I'm pretty sure we're going to be signing up um, I've already signed up to uh, a three a, a three month trial with a fantastic um, demo product that helps sort of run demos mm -hmm. um, through one of the folk I met at SaaS Talk, and we've got a bunch of conversations. So I reckon I'll probably be signing up with three or four products um, uh, because because I just saw so many fantastic products that I think are going to be really really useful for us um, in our next stage of um, uh, of development. Um, and I, I, you know, and, and also, you know, the point about integrations, there are, there are a bunch of players there that, um, you know, from e-payments to compliance, where we're going to have conversations about potentially, you know, integrating in some way what we're doing with what, with what they're doing, because there is such a sort of, you know, there is a real nice uh, link there, yeah. you know, payments and T's and C's, right, for example. 
Um, so, so I think um, I, I think it's wonderful, and I think that that level of kind of um, uh, uh, kind of in, in, inter interaction, integration, collaboration um, is, uh, is is I guess why you know why SaaS is such a such a great and exciting and, and fast growing area. Um, well, I'd I, love to translate some of that into the legal space. Yeah, I think it, it, it's definitely a, a space that can be used for disruption. Um, there's you know, but it's it's also in a way it's it's a challenging paradox because it's the space that also re represents in many ways the establishment. And so it's it, as an industry for me at least it's inherently conservative, um, and so disruption is not something that's gonna uh, take hold. I mean, you know, mm. I I think it's it's, but there's a business need. You know, if this is creating constraints within organizations, if this is causing it's churn with customers, there's business need. So eventually, the business people will get heard and 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 win people over. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Um. So well, good really interesting uh so if you take money then it would be to accelerate development um kind of time to market so that you could move ahead in your development programs has the have you felt the shift in the economy have you felt the shift is that tangible for you i, th I think yeah i think we've seen something it's 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 funny isn't it because you know everyone talks about vc sitting on a lot of dry powder yeah. but what, what 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 we've seen is that um it, there's there's a shift. How big is it is, is difficult to tell because you know the, the angels are always have always been risk averse. Perhaps they're slightly more risk averse now. Um, you know they they want they want to really see that proof of not only the the traction but also the you know that scale of, that you can scale that right. They want to see proof of that already. So that's right. that's kind of what we see in the angel side. Um, I think the VC side, what we see, you, you, you know, to a large extent. We're kind of too early for a lot of um, VCs, yeah. Um, but I think that's that. You know, as we as we build up the traction, I think we we can sort of um, shift the gear up and have different kind of conversations as well, and and go for a bigger round. Um, and um, angel angel syndicates is one that we still want to kind of explore a, a, a bit further, and uh, and the whole sort of private equity space. But but yeah, what we, certainly if you look at the statistics. Um, uh, around kind of legal tech, at least legal tech funding, it's yeah. definitely taken a dip, but but it's not. But it's by no means dead. And we had a. It was just yesterday I saw news of um, uh, another. So so you know contract automation um, uh, solutions have have they have been very sort of. Um, uh, there's a bunch of them and, and they've had some uh, good levels of funding. Um, so there was just one um, one player in that space just yesterday. I saw news getting a pretty decent um, slice of uh, VC cash. So. Um, definitely not like last year for for legal tech, yeah. Um, but um, but let's I, you know I think we'll we'll still still how do you say we'll, we'll still we'll see we'll see how it kind of works towards the end of the year next year. So just kind of keep calm and uh, and carry on. Snip. Absolutely, uh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think I think you know, you know that there is there is money available for the right kind of businesses. Yeah. Um, I think of course it is it, it, it is important to sort of uh, uh, you know also to. To, 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 to be lean and sort of extend runway and all that kind of stuff. That's just prudent, prudent um, risk management, business management, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good business management anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, so that's interesting. Um, what about, uh, what was it? Did you have any other takeaways from SaaS stock? Um, well, other than the fact there was a, a fantastic event. Um, yeah. uh, well, um, well, I'll tell you what, one thing that really kind of struck me, and this is, this is kind of maybe of interest to those who are um, on the lookout for funding. Um, so, uh, we got into, uh, I was in the semifinals of the pitch competition, 
Um, but then uh, looking at the finals, I mean, first of all, that the, the level said so it was um, it was Rebank, it was Candu, um, and I remember the third. Um, fantastic, fantastic companies. But you look at their pitch decks, right? I reckon neither of them really followed the templating, the template kind of pitch deck that I was taught to do, and that you see kind of uh, you know on the on the on the kind of bandied around in the internet. They they both had very different kind of pitch decks. I mean, they obviously covered the fundamentals, but they were super story led, um, and they're all very different. And they just sort of uh, kind of sold the story, sold the product in the way that was suitable. For for them um and you know look at rebank for example i mean christ really 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 simple pitch deck uh uh visually but the story was uh was so compelling so i guess for me the takeaway is like yeah you gotta you gotta take on board what people say you gotta take on board you know the sort of some of the standard ways of doing things but ultimately you know the, the real winners out there are, are telling their story their own way and i'm gonna i'm gonna start doing the same more myself yeah, that's funny. And the, the thing is, is that um, every founder you meet or every person who's really passionate about their company, um, usually there's a twinkle in their eye. Uh, and, you know, if you can get to the point where they're really using authentic language, it's, it's quite impressive. But you're right in that they're really creative. That was my big takeaway, which is all the things you said about Sestock, I, I have confirm everything you said there. But my, my takeaway was uh, really more about the Irish in Dublin which is right. the Irish are natural storytellers. Yeah. yeah they just yeah. tell a great story. And I, and I thought, I, and I'm not sure that the Irish's history is any better than anyone else's really, but gosh, they tell a great story. That's right. Yeah. And the way they tell their story. And, and I really thought about that, which is about companies, which is, and if you think about like the best, um, the best, the best executives are often great communicators and they're often great storytellers. And um, uh, so th that that's a good point. That's real. Yeah, yeah. The, the, see, I, I think most founders can talk very passionately. The, the trick with with pitching, of course, is that you've got to do that in a very constrained amount of time. Yeah. Um, and still say enough about the you know the the sort of you, you know the, the the kind of the hard stuff, right? So that's that that's that's for sure is a challenge. I tell you, that's um, it's a it's a really it was a, it's a fascinating process to to you know for me this is this is my first uh, startup and this is the first time I've sort of gone through this kind of uh process of, of learning how to pitch um it's it's, it's pretty incredible and um i think there's some real masters out there yeah, that's great um well listen thank you very much for your time i i really um once again everybody if you get a chance go uh look at majotos.io their website go look at their terms and conditions uh and their privacy policy i think it's really interesting because uh, i've never seen this laid out in a way uh that to me is so seemingly clear Mm -hmm. um and i think there's a real interesting aspect just on the experience side uh, versus and if you and if you so so this is just a quick plug any customers who sign up with us yeah are going to get a, their own sort of uh lyrical t-shirt right so what then, lyrics are those <laughs> i don't even know that one yeah my contract brings all the boys to the yard that's uh that's milkshake that's milkshake my okay milkshake. and then uh i'll show i show just a couple if we've got another minute um, this is the, uh, the other one. So we were talking about mu music from the eighties. Yeah. I want to get visual. Let's get visual. Get okay, visual the visual uh, contracts. And then, the one, uh, and then my, okay, yeah. my favorite. If your terms were like my dreams, red, gold, and gray. Yeah. Boy, George, we talked about that one. That was a great <laughs> <Boy> George. <laughs> um, 
listen thank you very much for your time um i wish you the best of luck and and going forward and uh, it'll be interesting to see things where go and, and make sure um you get uh a chance um to to come back and tell us what progress you make or don't make i would well come back and tell you the progress that we made for yeah. sure um i would love to do that absolutely um i mean i think you know we we made more progress in the last sort of uh, in, in like the first sort of four in the last sort of four or five months than we did in the in the previous year and a half, and I reckon the same is going to be true, if not doubled, for going forward. Um, so definitely, I'd, I'd love to come back and and tell more. So Steve, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I just want to call one last thing on the privacy. One of the things they do on the privacy, which is really neat, is they call out uh, where your data is going, uh, who might access it, and why they need the data. It's it's really a, a great yeah, job yeah. on the data side, and since data privacy is getting so important, so I do really but, recommend that. Just to think, you know, it's, it's like you know, the T's and C's are just full of just words jumbled together in a way that lawyers understand even then badly. And no one else can, you know, like if you look at our T's and uh, terms, which is that stroke, Magento IO stroke relationship, that has the same kind of model. But basically we, you know, we create a user journey. So you sort of, the, the, you, you take the user through the steps that the user takes and all your kind of legals, notices and disclaimers, they can be contextualized to that. So users, because people can understand it, but they can also understand why you've got it, right? And that means you can highlight stuff. You can say, hey, I've got this liability cap, but the user understands why you've got it because you've put it into a context. Um, and that's, that's kind of one of the many beauties of that sort of approach. Well, that's great. Well, listen, I think we're going to have the founder uh, of SaaS stock uh, on, on Tuesday of next week. Nice. Uh, his name is Alex. I, I'm blanking on his last name. So if you get a chance, come in and, and listen to what Alex has to say about this event. Cause they were on hiatus for two years with COVID and it's the first chance to do it. So, um, should be interesting to hear what he has to say. And, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, super interesting. Uh, super, super uh, interesting. I think um, what I like is talking to these founders is is understanding like uh, our, someone used this term the other day, demystifying. Uh, yeah, it was um, Emmerich. Um, uh, he was talking about, you know, going to San Francisco demystified uh, SAS for him. Like he came to understand it's like the people there are similar to the people everywhere. Uh, and I think that's the great thing is talking about these founders. Like this guy's had this company, Majoda, going now for two years on 150000 They built their product and now they're getting ready to, you know, take their product to the next level um, for kind of start to scale it up. Uh, and start really move it out there. Um, so that's an exciting time for them. And it's also, I think, just really exciting to learn about it. Um, and then as you start to see how all these other pieces fit in there, the quality of your stack, the SaaSes you're using, how you can put together processes around that. I think it's very interesting. Once again, on Tuesday, uh, I think it's Tuesday. I may have missed the dates. Uh, hold on. Ah, no, it's Tuesday the 1st. I said the 3rd. So it's Tuesday the 1st. Uh, we should have, um, I think, the founder of um, of uh, Sastock on here. And uh, we'll see you on Tuesday and Thursday of next week. Thank you very much. And, uh, and have a great day. Bye-bye.